The following podcast series was recorded between January and December of 2015. Originally hosted on the Horophilia Podcast Network, it has now transitioned to the Podcast Under the Stairs Collective. Myself and Andy Blockley would like to extend our gratitude once again to Jason Lloyd at the Horophilia Podcast Network for giving this podcast an opportunity to stay on that network for a couple of years and accumulate hundreds of downloads and great communication with legions of fans. The next instalment of the Doing the Nasty podcast looking at the DPP third tier movie list will start January 2020. Duncan McLeish will be joined by Mark Ball who will be replacing Andy Blockley on this podcast and will release one episode each month covering two films from the Tier 3 DPP video nasty list. But until that season drops, please enjoy these archives. They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, Mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film. And welcome back to another Doing the Nasty podcast. This is episode number 14. We are kicking off the non-prosecuted list um, of the video nasties. We have already went through the first 13 episodes, took you through the first 39 films that made that prosecuted list, that sweet, sweet, sweet prosecuted list. This one here um, is a non-prosecuted list. This is the second half. Um, I'd like to say that things are going to get better and less rapey, but we don't know. Um, So let me introduce myself. I am one of your hosts. I'm Duncan McLeish from the podcast Under the Stairs. I am joined by my co-host with the most, um, one half of the Big Horror and Little podcast is, of course, Mr. Andy Blockley. How are you doing, sir? How you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm really good, thanks. I'm excited to kick off phase two. Phase two. Yeah. Phase two, the difficult second album. It is, yeah. No one one ever really, you know, it's about the second film as well. When you look at trilogies, a lot of people lump a lot of uh, of criticism on that second second one, which is quite ironic because um, the unofficial Gates of Hell trilogy... um, the Beyond, one of the movies we're talking about today, is that second movie. And I didn't realise until I started doing quite a bit of poking around online this week that that movie is so polarising. I just thought really? it was universally loved. Yeah. But it turns out a lot of folk hate this movie. Okay. Can't believe well, that. <laughs> if people don't like phase two of doing the nasty, it's the film's fault. It's not ours. It's the movies. <laughs> no, we're, we're well rehearsed by now. I mean, we're, we're going to be awesome. That's well, the only thing we can guarantee Ah, of course. Yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, so this is this is the second half of the list. Unfortunately, this now means that we're beyond the halfway point. I think we were on the previous list anyway. Uh, we have now crossed over that halfway point. So we are now just counting down the shows until this show finishes. On that depressing, depressing note. Uh, <laughs> but there is a ton of movies that we still have to discuss before this show finishes in November. And yeah. like you said in a previous episode. 
this is where things get quite interesting because on this half of the list, there are certainly movies that um, I've never heard of before or ever seen. Uh, in fact, in this episode, two of the movies I had never seen. I had heard of one of them, hadn't heard mm. of the other, but I hadn't seen two of the three. But we're going to get some big names in 80s horror cinema in the second half of the list. These are movies that you will have known and seen. Um, well, in the previous list, you may have heard the movies but never sat down and watched that I Spit in Your Grave or A Last House on the Left. I argue that any horror fan worth his salt has seen The Evil Dead. So, yeah. you know, um, and there's going to be a lot of that in this half of the list. So it's going to be quite cool, I think, Andy, mm-hmm. um, sitting down and juxtaposing some of these really bizarre, kind of lesser-known horror movies from the 80s against some of the titans that are now regarded as some of the highlights of that decade yeah exactly and just to recap for our listeners as well like we are these are still part of the 72 video nasties Mm -hmm. this is just happens to be the 33 that they decided not to prosecute yeah um so they just dropped them so they were added to the list obviously we say uh you know we kind of give you the dates the films are added and then removed these 33 films they were still added to the DPP prosecuted list, but they were dropped later on. Whereas yeah. the others, you know, the other 39 remained on the list. These 33s got dropped. So yeah, it will be interesting to see because we're slightly going to change the the grading system, aren't we? We're still going to have like case dismissed, slap on the wrist, and all that. Um, but what we're going to say is now, with these films, should they have been on the 39 list? Yeah, you know, I think that's quite interesting because. Uh, Going through that 39 list, there was a couple of movies, Evil Speak for an ex- for a prime example, where we were watching that movie and neither one of us could understand at all yeah. how anyone could, one, be prosecuted for giving this movie out, but also, at the same time, why anyone would find offence at it, other than the fact it uses Satan. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't I mean, really it was find weird anything. I was going to say, initially, I thought, like, basically, if a film's anything worse than the kind of the tamest film on the list of 39, then it should have been on the 39. But if we did that, like, we would have to relegate all of them because, like, there are some, like, say, there's some films that are so shit and should never have been on there. We can't yeah. really use that as the baseline, can we? So we're just going to have to kind of play it by ear and just use the content of the film to decide whether it should have been on the 39. Because if we base it on, say, something like Evil Speak and say, well, if it's not as bad as that, it shouldn't be on, it should be on the 39. No, because that was, I don't think that counts because that was dismissed. Does that make yeah. sense? Like, yeah, yeah, no, it totally does. But, well, I think that's the thing. I think Evil Speak is just a painfully beige movie. You know what I mean? I yeah. didn't find, I, that to me is the, out of all the movies we've done, um, thus far, that is the head scratcher. I can understand, like on some level, some of the other ones which we're like, it's really the gore shit and all the rest. Yeah. Evil Speak had none of that. Yeah, you know what I mean. And that's that's what I think kind of threw me when we we covered that in the first half. Um, and obviously, in our very final episode, the episode that wraps up this show, we're going to go back through all these, um, all the movies and do our like our definitive top five best, top five worst. Yeah, um, yeah. and I. I I believe that when we come to that, Evil Speak is going to come up quite a lot in conversation just because I still to this day don't get it. I just don't get it. And it's one of these ones that I'm just like, I don't, I, 
did they get confused with another movie or, or, or what? <laughs> I told you, it's like I said before, they just watched the first two minutes and went, Satan, get it on the list. <laughs> before it like before it fades out and fades back into like high school, you know. Yeah, it just didn't make any sense. But um, this episode, um, it's quite an interesting one to kick off with because we are hitting off with... Um, for well, for those that remember the previous episode, we covered zombie flesh eaters. Um, Andy was was quite vocal about the fact that that is his favourite movie by um, horror maestro Lucio Fulci. Um, my favourite is The Beyond. We're going to be talking about that this week. What else are we going to be talking about, Andy? Well, we're also going to be talking about the Boogeyman, or it's called the Bogeyman in the uh, here in the UK. Mm-hmm. Which is a bit weird because a bogey is like the thing you pull out of your nose, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, uh, so we've got the the boogeyman, uh, and then we've got Cannibal Terror as well, which Ooh. is another one. <laughs> we've not done a cannibal film for a while, have we? Obviously, because we did him in alphabetical order. So uh, yeah. yeah, we're back to C again now, and we've got Cannibal Terror. <laughs> Yay! Um, <laughs> oh dear. We'll uh, we will get to that one. Think about, oh yeah, it's uh, yeah. I think uh, that's the. Uh, have, we got, have we not got a whole episode though with movies with don't in the title? Yeah, unfortunately, it kind of skips over by one. We've got like the final two films in the episode of don't, and then the first one of the next episode. So, yeah, more or less, it's basically three don't films in a row spread <laughs> over two episodes. Um, oh, this is brilliant. Uh, just the way you do them when you do them alphabetically, you end up with. Well, we've had a couple of absolute stormers of episodes. We've had the old cannibal episode. We've had the old rape episode. Yay. Um, And I would love to say, Andy... I was just about to say that. For anyone that was thinking that we're we're going to be rape-free from now on, tell them, Duncan. Yeah, that never happened. We were so, so close. So, so close. Um, I was like... I could almost taste... The, the, the closeness of a, a rape-free episode, because, I, I mean, technically the previous episode was a rape-free episode, however, there was a rape that occurred in a dream. So, yeah. depending on how you want to look at it, to me it's a rape sequence, regardless if it's in reality or not. So, yeah. we have yet to have a rape-free episode, and I am... Um, Part of me is quite happy to say, and also quite dismayed to say, that this is not going to be a rape-free episode, so... No. Which is yeah. good, because maybe people would have tuned out. Maybe with some sickos listening that went, well, there's not going to be a rape and I'm not listening. So. <laughs> I only listen to this, this show for the rape five stars. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know, possibly. <laughs> come, for the, come for the horror review, stay for the rape. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you'll be pleased to know you've, uh, you've only got to wait till the final episode, final film of tonight and... Yeah. Uh, we're going to rape We're going to talk about yeah. that rather awkward rape sequence. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, like I begin every show, we need to ask uh, how things are going. So, so, what have you been up to? Oh, dear, what have I been up to? I've been stripping the wallpaper off in my bathroom, ready oh, to God. completely renovate the whole thing. Uh, and I had to check the box because when I got the wallpaper stripper, I didn't realise it also said plaster stripper, but it seemed to be doing that yesterday. Uh, All fuck. the plaster was coming off. With the wallpaper, um, yeah. But luckily, I've I've got a mate who's a plasterer. I also had to take the radiator off. And I tell you what, Duncan, there is no sight more panic-inducing when you're doing DIY than to come downstairs and see water pissing off of your kitchen light fitting. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, oh Christ! 
because my radiators are that old, um, I'm trying to work out kind of how they were. I mean, the house was built late 1800s that I live in. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine the central heating system was probably put in 30, 40 years ago, maybe. So it's going to be the original radiator in the bathroom. Um, Jesus. So the nuts were basically kind of, I don't, I wouldn't say rusted on, but like just painted over so many times, like they didn't come off. So when I cracked the nut to get the radiator thing loose, um, it just cracked the pipe as well, which sent kind of water pissing down the pipe. Um, which then ran along the kitchen ceiling down and through the light fitting. But in, incredibly lucky, like there's nothing wrong with the kitchen ceiling. Oh, I can't right. believe it. It's mental. I think it's because the pipe runs so almost parallel to the light fitting. The water just ran down the pipe and then ran straight through the light fitting and onto the floor. Didn't damage the ceiling at all. I can't fucking believe it. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yay! So fucking lucky, yeah. So um, just stressfulness with that. We watched um, Enter the Dragon last night. Oh, thought, what a movie! Yeah, 40th anniversary. Well, I've not watched it on Blu-ray yet. On the uh, the 40th anniversary, I had the original disc they released in about 2006, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is like the 40th anniversary re-release, and it's pretty good. I mean, the transfer is not amazing, but it's you know a Hong Kong movie from the 70s. But the sound was fucking great on it. Yeah. Um, loads of special features and stuff as well so that was awesome and then I watched Hannibal episode 6 that I know you haven't uh, watched yet. I have not watched it yet and obviously um, I, I don't know had it been cancelled in the previous episode were we, yeah. had we no, got that donation out I hadn't it hadn't no not at that yeah, point so in, in the interim between episode 13 and 14 <laughs> with us lauding over it on the last episode um, we actually found out that it's been it's been dropped by NBC which is uh not great, um, but uh, fingers are still crossed. I mean, they as of today's recording, um, they are doing they're at uh, San Diego Comic Con and they're doing a, a like a massive Hannibal um, panel thing at the Comic Con. So I'm oh, kind of right. hoping, yeah, I'm kind of hoping that it seems really weird that that would all be set up and they would be having such a huge conference if they didn't have. Maybe some good news. I don't know. It's it's yeah. weird. I, I mean, there's there's um there's obviously there's a lot of things flying around now that you know Netflix couldn't take up the show because Amazon had digital rights for distribution. It was tied into the original contract. So then that made people think that Amazon would take on the show. Um, mm. Amazon have passed on it, which seems really strange to me. Um, and then I started to think, um. If you know uh, Brian Fuller actually wanted to continue the show, because he's certainly been saying he wants to, but he's also signed up to do um, American Gods, which is the Neil Gaiman um, adaptation uh, TV show, and it's apparently a project he's he's very excited to do, and he's going to be spending a lot of time doing that. Which kind of made me think: Is he fighting the good fight? Um, or is he very much, I've got a new project, I'm really excited to work on it, it's too much trouble to try and get Hannibal renewed, so, yeah. you know, how much effort, but um, he released a statement kind of late this week, saying uh, even though the Amazon Netflix thing has kind of dropped, they're still kind of working tirelessly to find a new home for it, um, okay. and my fingers, my fingers are crossed, I, I would hate to see that show lose the potential that I know uh, for the two seasons, for example. I mean, there's, there is a faultless show. I genuinely can't find, like, one iota of anything in it where I'm like, that That could be tightened up. I, ju- I just think it is, it's a wonderful 
show completely different from anything else on TV. Um, yeah. So kind of hoping, fingers crossed, it lands. However, you tagged me, uh, and, and news that's kind of related to the nasties, um, you tagged me in a, a video <laughs> for the trailer for the new Ash v Evil Dead <laughs> yeah. TV series. And I'll tell you right now, never have I been so fucking happy and relieved Mm. To see, because that could go, that could have easily fucked up. I mean, they could easily make a complete tit of that that TV show. Um, and my my biggest concern was what Evil Dead were they going to aim for? Because to me, the ones that I think would translate well to television are the ones that have that more comedic aspect. The second movie, mm. the th- you know, the third movie to an extent, Army of Darkness is a lot of fun. I don't know if I'd want to see a whole you know TV show of Army of Darkness, but um. Mm. It certainly looks like, and you, you were commenting when we were talking about it yesterday, um, certainly looks like the spirit of practical effects are in there. It looks like there's a lot of gungy gore getting flung about the place. Which, yeah, yeah. you know, it's Evil Dead. It wouldn't be the same if that wasn't. Um, and at the same yeah. time, it looks like Ash is, or Bruce Campbell, he seems to be having a blast. And I, that is my biggest concern is that... Whenever he does interviews and things like that, and he gets asked about the Evil Dead, depending on what mood you catch Bruce Campbell in, he's either very happy to talk about it, or he's like, you know, can we change the subject? Because he get, he's been get he's had to talk about this character for twenty plus years since yeah. Army of Darkness, um, yeah. and you know it keeps coming back. So the fact he was he was getting brought in to do a TV show, and I was watching the panel this morning, the Comic Con panel. Um, okay. Where they were talking to Bruce Campbell, Sam Raimi, etc. Uh, Lucy Lawless, who oh, I used to have such a crush on Xena the Warrior Princess. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, oh my god. Uh, so and she is wearing well. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, but uh, hearing them talk about it, it seems like they've all just had like the best time ever. So I can't oh. wait. It, it debuts on Halloween, which is just the perfect date to yeah, debut so. that show on the states on Stars. Uh, and Stars is the one that put it Spartacus, and there's a lot of shagging and a lot of killing in that, um, and it's quite graphic, which makes me think those that are like, oh, well, it goes far as the movies. I think it probably will. <laughs> so I can't wait. Yeah. Awesome. What have you been up to? Um, not a lot. Uh, I'm trying to plan stuff for for those who don't know. Podcast under the stairs um, is about to kick off its top ten. We do these shows annually. Um, we pick. I try and pick a theme which will drum up a bit of discussion and conversation. So the very first one we did was top ten British horror movies. Uh, as selected by myself and my former co-host at the time, um, and that was a controversial list. Because there's a lot of people like, why is this movie not even major list? Or how can you say this is the best horror yeah. movie from Britain of all time? You can't please everyone. You can, and that was the the disclaimer in there is that all movies are selected by the podcast. And I can't even begin to say I've seen every British horror movie ever made. So yeah, you can only so. go on what you've seen. So yeah. um, last year uh, I did the top ten best horror remakes, which is something that's been done by other podcasts in the past or other shows or whatever but I I tallied them up with the top 10 worst horror remakes so each show you got a terrible horror remake and an amazing horror remake so and that was a lot of fun and once again people were like your your list some people were like that's a great list and then other people were like that um, your list doesn't break any new ground and I was like well everyone tends to know a universally shit movie so (laughs) I don't know your point Um, this year uh, and it almost seems kind of apt 
because of Christopher Lee's passing a couple of weeks ago. Uh, yeah. I'm doing top 10 Christopher Lee movies versus top 10 Vincent Price movies. Um, and it's going to be a lot of fun because we'll get a chance to obviously look at some real gems, classics of the horror genre from like mm-hmm. the 60s, 50s, 70s. I think um, the latest one may be in the 80s uh, from the list. So there's loads there to discuss. But ultimately it comes down to performance and not the movie. So the movie could be amazing, but Christopher Lee could be shit in the movie. And then the movie it's up against could be shit. But Vincent Price is amazing in the movie. Vincent Price would win that round. Oh, so that it comes, doing it? Okay. Yeah, it comes down to oh. performance ah. over movie. So oh. I'm kind of putting that twist on it. So because some movies, you know, what it's like, special effects don't hold up. Um, acting becomes a bit woolly. Dialogue isn't great, but if the performance is amazing, then you need to give it to the performer. And as the performer, we're we're uh, kind of gauging on is Vincent Price versus Christopher Lee. There can be only one. Um, I can't wait. It's the Rumble in the Jungle all over again. We're gonna oh, get sorry. along because we don't get along. Uh, so I can't, I can't <laughs> wait to do that and I've uh, brought on a huge list of horror podcasters yourself included Andy um, yes. to help me work down that list um, and thanks very much Duncan for my birthday present as well which is the film that I'm going to be reviewing isn't it on that episode yeah I've, I, it's one I've never seen um, in about how long ago is it since I've seen it I've not seen it on Blu-ray I saw it on VHS Last I've never season. seen it. Have you not? Oh, well, you're in for a little treat because uh, Christopher Lee is evil as shit in it. Um, awesome. It's one of those performances I think he's great in. It's Bava again, so... Um, yeah, yeah. Should oh. be no surprise that I went for, you know, a couple of Italian-made horror movies in there. No surprise at yeah. all. Um, so, yeah, but speaking about Italian-made horror movies, see how I did that? That was like a professional Perfect. segue, seamlessly seamlessly into our first review which yep. is a movie from 1981 uh, directed by Lucio Fulci the maestro um, and we're kicking it off with um, his second installment in the Gates of Hell trilogy right after this short break where we're going to hear Johnny Krug and some intellectual academics talk about why the movie made the, the list uh, we're going to be discussing the beyond and uh, we're going to be right back after this. Do you like movie reviews that are insightful, thought-provoking, and delivered by somebody who's trained to critically dissect every aspect of a motion picture without ever having to use obscenities? Then you've got the wrong f***ing show. Kruger Nation Horror Podcast is ready to feed your slasher movie and exploitation needs. There'll be more blood, expletives, and titties then you can shake your grandma's beetle flaps at. Visit www.kruegernation.com. Lucia Fulci's The Beyond. This film was obviously banned because it is full of visceral gore and it has lots of different Baroque interpretations of the body and ways in which you can configure it. Things like melting flesh and, of course, the famous uh, eyeless scene where Sarah Keller gets her throat ripped out by her lovely dog Dickie. The Beyond is one of my personal favourites and I think that one of the reasons The Beyond is 
very important film in terms of art cinema, dare I say it, from Italian horror, is that Lucio Fulci said that he wanted to make an Arto film, which is a film that reconfigures the body into a body without organs. It's very interesting because even though The Beyond is very gory, it isn't necessarily a violent film. There's not a lot of aggressive violence. It's simply that when something happens to a body, it starts to metamorphose and change. And perhaps because it was incoherent in its narrative and in the way in which the body was reconfigured. The BBFC were okay with it being at the cinema, but then when it came out as a video, it was deemed a video nasty and it was cut by 1 minute and 34 before it was then banned. You are Liza aren't you? Yes. My name is Emily. I've been looking for you. And welcome back. So, it's our first movie review of episode number 14. Like I said just before we took a short break there, this one is from 1981. It's The Beyond by Lucio Fulci. Um, This is his second instalment in the unofficial um, Gates of Hell trilogy. And uh, the synopsis is listed on the IMDb's. Uh, A young woman inherits an old hotel in Louisiana where after a series of supernatural accidents, um, she learns that it was built over the entrance to hell. Well, it's one of the entrances to hell because this movie's known by other titles um, and the the American title is actually pretty shit. It's like something like what's it, the Seven Gates of Seven Gates of Hell or some shit like that. Yeah, fucking terrible name. The Beyond, so, yeah. I like I like it better just called The Beyond because it's it's atmospheric and mysterious. Like a tall dark stranger ordering weird drinks at the bar. <coughs> so <laughs> um I have made it no secret. I think since we started this this show, um, that this is one of the ones I'm most looking forward to. I am a huge fan of the Beyond. I think it is. I think it's. I, I would argue. I don't think it's Filchy's best put together movie. So I would stress that because <clears throat> some people will come back and tell me that they think, you know, a movie like Don't Touch or a Duckling is a far more concise movie, and they're right. It is. To me, The Beyond is a movie that just fires on all cylinders. It gives you the gore that you want from a Filchy movie. It gives yep. you a freezy score, which is fucking phenomenal. Um, and it gives you that totally fuck you ending that Filchy mm. becomes very famous for. Not a man to leave you with happy endings. He tends to like to leave you with, with food for thought. Um, yep. And this, this movie gives you that. Um, so to kind of further elaborate on what they were saying in the brief synopsis basically the movie starts with um, a, a sepia tone film uh, which makes you think it's been you know this is an old movie um, but it's back in Louisiana in the 1920s um, and a man is uh, attacked by the villagers and killed for being a quote unquote warlock you ungodly um, warlock. It's a fucking amazing... Like, the dialogue, even the poorly dubbed dialogue in this one, still this, those iconic lines. Um, yeah. and, and classic fact, you know you're in for an amazing time when you see how brutal 
the lynch mob sequence is with, with the chains on this guy. Oh, and it just yeah. tears apart the flesh. You get the gore, and you're like, right, this is this is something. Because this movie is one year after um, City of the Living Dead. Yeah. And already mm-hmm. Filchi is ramping up the gore. Uh, straight away, he's like, right, let's do this. Um, so you get that opening sequence. We later find that in, in modern day times, so in the 80s, uh, this uh, woman inherits the, the the old hotel. She decides she's going to renovate it. Uh, during the renovation process, though, they unwittingly uh, unlock the, the gate to hell because that happens every now and again. It's like forgetting that you've left the oven on, Andy. It can't be helped. You're, you're halfway out the house and down the street and then you're like, you stop and you go, did I unlock the, I unlocked the gate to hell again, didn't I? Fuck. They need to go back at least it's worse when you're at the airport, mate. You're getting on the plane and you realise you've left the gates of hell unlocked. <laughs> what yep. do you do then? You, you have that. You have that face like uh, Kevin's mother in Home Alone. <laughs> She's like Kevin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's like when you leave the the gates of hell open. And um, yeah, shit starts going creakery right after that. Um, weird, weird things start happening. Uh, we are introduced to a character. Uh, who is probably one of the more iconic ones. Um, you will know her, um, certainly from all her front covers, etc. And she's the woman with the, the blanked out eyes, which is incredible. Um, and, yeah, there's just a lot of really weird, surreal things happening in this movie uh, as they try and piece together what exactly is going on. And when they finally realise kind of what's going on, it's their attempts to close that gate and yeah. in classic Filchy fashion um, it doesn't quite go according to plan um, mm. and it ends with probably one of the most, I would say, and I'm being totally biased here because I love this movie um, to me it's one of the most iconic scenes in cinema, I love the ending to this movie, it's very kind of evokes things like uh, The Shining you get that sequence mm. in The Shining where you move in towards a picture and, you, spoiler alert for those that haven't seen it, you realise that Jack Torrance has always been there. Yeah, as far yeah. back as, uh, you know, the 1920s. And in this one, uh, there is a painting that we see at the very beginning, which is a very strange painting. It's like a, a void-like expanse with bodies on the ground and mm. our characters end up in that void at the end. So basically in purgatory or hell, depending on... If you're a glass half full or half empty sorry person, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think this movie is so vicious at times and um, the gore sequences so fucking brutal. Mm. Yeah, there's a couple of cheesy things in here. I dare say you're going to have a good laugh when we talk about the spiders. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, not 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 cheese fine this moment. Um but for the most part, I think there's a weird eeriness about this movie, an unsettling feeling that comes from the fact that really nothing works out. As soon as that gate's opened, nothing works out well for any character. It's mm. this this idea that no one's safe. Gingers aren't safe in this movie. Um, so if you're a ginger, <laughs> run. Oh, um, <laughs> um, and there's some truly phenomenal special effects in this I think um, well, juxtaposed against the shitty ones but that face melting under the acid oh, um, yeah. the, once again Filchy jumps back to that that thing that he established in uh, Zombie Flesh Eaters about the slow motion movement of someone's of someone's eyes getting attacked um, yeah. in the case of this one it's the, the plumber um, in the basement so we get a lot of the, the kind of classic Filchy-esque 
sort of sequences, but at the same time, um, I just think it's, I think it's out of the gates of hell, this one obviously is my favourite, because it's my favourite overall, Fulci, but I just think this movie just nabs the tone between gore and that surrealist sort of supernatural element that I think he was aiming for, because a lot of people will say this is a zombie movie, and to an extent it is, mm. but it's something a bit more than a zombie movie. Yeah. Um, and I think he handles it really well. And like I say, when that score kicks in in the background, the freezy score just makes this movie feel so iconic. Um, yeah, I, I can't say enough good things about this movie. What's your take on it, Andy? Yeah, I think it's great. I can't remember when the first time I saw this was. It was not that long ago. Um, probably like I was in my 20s, maybe. And I think it like passed me by originally. Um, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, I've got this on Arrow Blu-ray. Uh, the transfer is great. I think that opening scene, like you say, kind of in sepia, is really kind of classic. It's great just the way it sort of sets it up. It makes you realise you're kind of in a, you know, a, a bygone time, um, mm-hmm. and it just sets it up perfectly. You know, with the guy getting crucified in this basement, he's been dragged from room thirty-six. Um, so then, when we go to the hotel, you know, you immediately kind of know what you're in for. Um, which is great, and then it just builds from there. This, so un, unlike zombie fleshy, is it takes a hell of a long time to build. Um, this one, you've really got great scenes all the way through this movie. Yeah, kind of stuff to keep you interested all the way through, and then it builds just to this epic finale in the hospital, which also kind of, it kind of makes me think of this as almost like a prequel to Dawn of the Dead. You know, ah, yeah, like, yeah. An explanation for sort of how it all started, you know, if the gates of hell opened and the dead start walking the earth, and it kind of all kicks off from there. Um, mm. But like you say, it's not kind of a, an entirely zombie film because it's you know in, in like sort of the typical sense of the word because it's almost a bit possession related, isn't it as well? Yep, yep, yep. Um, obviously, you've got this incredible gore, this incredibly visceral, gruesome gore, and the great thing about Fulci. And the camera never pulls away. Mm-hmm. Nothing is left to the imagination, which sometimes is good. But in this type of film, with this type of tone, I really want to see everything, and you do get to see everything. You know, like you say, the the acid melting the face off is just fucking brutal, and it it doesn't look that realistic. Do you know what I mean? It's not like it, it disturbingly realistic, but it's so, it's just so grim. It almost makes you want to look away because you can imagine that happening. You can imagine someone getting hydrochloric acid pulled on their face, and it's just yeah, it's amazing. Um, obviously, there are some like you were saying, that slightly shitter effects, <laughs> like introduce you know like you know if if you've got real spiders, why are we then seeing a pipe cleaner spider? Like, yeah. surely we can, surely, you know, it's like when the special effects are as good as they are, I don't really think there's any excuse for the spider looking so shit. Sure, surely somebody could have knocked up a more convincing looking spider. Um, but it kind yeah. of adds to the charm for me that it doesn't really take anything away. It's still creepy having giant spiders crawl towards you while you. I was going to say that. Yeah, when I saw this movie for the first time and we're going back years, I remember that sequence freaked me the fuck out. And I'm not mm. an arachnophobe. Spiders don't, you know, do anything for me at all. Um, yeah. But the idea of them kind of crawling across you and not d- doing things that are unnatural for us spiders, i.e., clawing at your flesh and pulling chunks of it up. Um, yeah. It just really got under my skin, and yeah, the the effect is shit now. Um, it probably was shit then, to be honest. But um, there is something quite still 
unnerving about it. Unnatural, I think, is the, the, the word. Um, because they don't look like spiders. And that kind of adds, I think, to that, that sense of, oh my god. Because they don't look like spiders and they're doing things that spiders wouldn't do, so what the fuck are they? Yeah. No, it's great. I mean, it's, from the gates of hell, like it's just what would happen, isn't it? If the gates of hell open, you're not going to have normal everyday tarantulas coming out. You're going to have... Yeah. Really fucking bizarre ones that claw you. Pipe, you know, pipe clear but, ones. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> pipe cleaners, yeah. Now, the really interesting thing about this movie is that it was cut by about 90 seconds. And, oh. even, and, it's, the, and it's the cut, not obviously the one we watch. We've got the completely uncut version. But back originally in the 80s, early 80s when this was released, it was added to the list with the 90 seconds cut. She's so really it already, yeah. So it's already complied with the 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 BBFC. Yeah, they basically they've removed ninety seconds of footage, which is probably most of the gore. Because like, mm-hmm. even though this is an incredibly gory film, if you put it all together, it probably doesn't total much more than a couple of minutes. So ninety seconds gone is probably all the brutal stuff. You know, yeah. all the ripping, the acid melting. You know, the stabbing through the eye. All that's gone. And even with all that stuff removed, they still added it to the list. So was that? I mean, was that was that an error then? Is that why it's on the non-prosecuted list? Do we think? Um, no, I think it's just because even with the ninety seconds, they still thought it was it was vile and obscene. Even with all the gore removed, they still thought it was too obscene. And I'm assuming it's probably more the content. Um, sorry, not not the content, but more the the theme of the movie being Gates yeah. of Hell. You know, given how religious we were talking about Mary Whitehouse. Um, that probably just really drastically offended her sensibilities, thinking that there's a possibility that you could open gates of hell in Louisiana. Uh, <laughs> so it's not on the list particularly for the gore, which is it is a strange one that because normally you know if you've um, if you've taken all the gore out of it, then there shouldn't really be a problem because most of the films that are on our list they bypassed the BBFC, didn't they? And they got yeah. released in their fully uncut version, which is why they were then you know prosecuted for obscenity because they're fully intact. Cannibal Holocaust was fully intact, even though some cut versions were released. People were getting their knickers in a twist about the uncut version. So the fact that this is a completely shredded of all the gore and it's still on the list, I think that's really interesting. Um, I don't know if it, I mean I, I'm just going based on what the documentary said, but I don't know if it might have been a mistake. But as far as I, as what I kind of gleaned from listening to the press and talking about it when I was watching it earlier. It was. It was. They knew the cuts were there. They knew that ninety seconds had been removed, and they still added it, even though they knew it had been cut. Um, so it's a weird one because it's it got dropped. You know, so it obviously wasn't that bad. Um, and like you have been saying, kind of all along, the Beyond is one of the ones that makes the others seem a bit odd from the first thirty-nine. You think, well, if they're on the list, why is the Beyond on? You know, yeah, I think from, from a gore. If you if you're using the justification of the gore, etc., but then. I'm now thinking if you're telling me that 90 seconds were cut from the movie and that's mm. likely to be most of the gore, mm. then maybe that's why maybe that's why it didn't make the prosecuting list because they actually they actually adhered to removing yeah. the gore from this movie and maybe that's I, that maybe ultimately that's why it doesn't because to me there's a no-brainer here. This one is far gorier than mm. than um, House uh, by the Cemetery by a million yeah. miles. It's far more in your face. It's far more. There's there's not a lot of lull time in this movie. That it seems yeah. strange to me that that would happen. But then if House by the Cemetery is released in a more uncut version, and Beyond is released in this very cut version, then it totally mm-hmm. makes sense that this movie didn't make that list. 
Yeah, so I mean, I, I don't know if the, if it was added to the list before or after it was cut. I suppose we've got to assume maybe then that it was after the ninety seconds were cut. Yeah. You know that they've removed it because um, it does seem odd. Because you know, without the gore, this film there is really nothing to it, is there? Without the gore, that's that is you know, there's no rapes or any particularly bad kind of you know humiliation or any of the other kind of tropes that we've that we've seen in the previous you know 39 that make you think oh fucking hell right it's not gory but geez that rape was awful you know it is yeah, literally yeah. just gore this one um is the reason why it's kind of one of the nasties but like we said although it's incredibly visceral and, and gruesome it's not realistic gore is it particularly oh no no kind of cannibal holocaust level of oh shit shit did they really do that you know this is obviously you know practical prosthetics it's very similar to that evil dead face melting kind of thing isn't it yeah you know um still a fucking great film i think i said to you last week uh, zombie flesh eaters is my favorite lucio fulci movie but i haven't watched the beyond in a while mm-hmm. and i don't know if now i've watched the beyond yesterday i don't know if that might be up there I think that might be my favourite, just because of Alma Chain. It's a really enjoyable... I think that's the thing about the Beyond for me, and I'm not taking anything... The surprising thing was coming back to Zombie Flesh Eaters was how much I enjoyed that. And I, I, like I said before, I got a lot of shit online by... Every time I mention uh, Zombie Flesh Eaters, I, I tend to not mention it with too much excitement, so the assumption is that I don't like it. Um, yeah. Which is not true. I think it's a great movie. Um, mm. It's just that I tend to find that that's the one that a lot of people go to as their their Filchy movie. Someone mentions Filchy, a lot of people go to like Zombie. That's the one they go to. That's their that's their thing. And to me, I'm always like, no, the Beyond. You know, the Beyond. Um, but coming back and watching it, I, I remembered how kick ass that fucking movie is. And it's a really, really, really good movie. Mm. Um, that. Like, I, I know how... It makes you wonder when you start... Like, because we're getting all these Blu-rays now that are coming out. And, you know, companies like Arrow, Scream Factory, Vinegar Syndrome, E8 Films. You know, putting out these movies on Blu-ray now and you're getting a chance to see them for the first time in years. It makes me wonder how much my opinions will change the directors over time. You know, like, yeah. like from their, their kind of... Like, people like Fulci, who I had a kind of working knowledge of but I'm not as versed in Filchy movies as I was in Argento, for example. Yeah, So, yeah. when you... Because I watched uh, Don't Torture the Duckling um, just a couple of months ago, and coming back to that, it is easily in my top three Filchy movies now. Okay. Um, easy. Awesome. I, I think it's a fucking phenomenal movie. It is the most unfilchy movie of his entire catalogue, but it is absolutely phenomenal. Um, mm. And that was a movie that I didn't really rate having seen it in the past I just thought that's ah, alright but give me the gore give me the fil- give me the filchy gore maggots all the rest and then coming back and watching it going no this has got like probably arguably the strongest story in any filchy movie uh, you know so it, it makes you wonder as time goes on it doesn't surprise me that the beyond would rock up for you and mm. in that position but it makes me wonder if you delve more into filchy's back catalogue yeah the I order will to... change again you know what I mean yeah. it's, it's, it's really, really weird I think he's under. I think genuinely, even though there seems to be this resurgence just now for for the love of Italian directors. I mean, it's very in vogue nowadays to be a horror fan and be quoting Italian horror movies from the seventies and eighties. That seems to have become relevant again. Yeah, um, it's, it, it interests me uh, to this day, though, why it took so long after the fact for Filchi to get the acclaim 
like the full acclaim that he's now getting as a director. You know, like in the last five, six years, people really start to be, you know, are starting to put Fulci on a pedestal, which, I mean, I was too young when his movies were coming out to be yeah. fully 100% like a Fulci fanatic. But um, I genuinely think he's one of the more interesting ones. That, that crowd of directors that were doing stuff at that time, Fulci was the one that was very much different from the rest. Even these mm. Jallo movies are different from what you would see, you know, an Argento movie or a Bava movie. Um, he was like operating in this his own wee bubble, um, and the Beyond is testament to that. I think the Beyond sets down the groundwork for a lot of horror movies that come after it. And the Fulci, just in mm. general, that kind of that pussy gory stuff. I've said before, you look at anything the early works of Peter Jackson or Sam Raimi, it's very difficult not to say that they were influenced in some level by Fulci. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I love this movie. Totally. Love it. Love it. I mean, it's um, just breaking news, by the way. I've, <laughs> I've just been looking into this um, just quickly on Wikipedia because I wanted to get a bit of clarification on this being added to the list thing. This was released in the UK in 1981. Oh, wait, right. so the, the actual year it was released then? Yeah, um, in 1981, with the 90 seconds of cuts in place, it was then added to the list in 1983 in its cut form. All right. <laughs> yeah, so that that is bizarre. So it, it wasn't added to the list. They added the they took they put the cuts in place, and then it was removed to the you know relegated to the to the 33 non-prosecuted. It was added yeah. to the list after the cuts had been put in place. So even with the third, even with the ninety seconds of cuts, they still were considering it for prosecution. That's weird. That's really weird. Yeah, that is fucking weird because it made sense that, what you were, what you yeah. were saying. So I thought I'll just I'll just check on that because I'm sure earlier they were saying that it was added to the list even with the cuts. Yeah, and it was. It was. It wasn't. But doesn't it was, that fly in the face of British? I mean, the British border classifications, right? Film classification doesn't that fly in the face of that? If they've made not a doing decision, the job properly, then aren't they? Yeah. yeah, if they've made a decision that a movie needs to be cut by ninety. 90 seconds right you need to cut these 90 seconds out and the the the, the company putting it out comply with that and then it still gets banned on the video nasties list yeah. it's almost like these people are like almost superseding the classification board which that to me is fucked up on a completely well, different level because they're not they like the, it wasn't a proper like legally binding thing i think we in the documentary it talks about it they kind of gave themselves this title, this Department of Public Prosecutions, but they didn't really have that much clout. So the fact that the BBFC, which you think would have more clout into decision-making, yeah, like you say, they're superseding what they're, the decisions they're making, and it almost seems like this was fucking out of control. Like, no one was obviously keeping an eye on these idiots, were they? Like, no, definitely it wasn't, not. This wasn't being regulated, because if it was being regulated and people, you know, this, there was a watchdog in place to make sure the DPP was being run correctly... Half of the films wouldn't even be on there. So, yeah, there was something really kind of odd and a bit corrupt and a bit fucking strange going on. And like you say, you know, the BBFC are there to say, look, we're happy for this film to be released with these cuts. And even with that, they went, no, we're going to prosecute it. And it's like, well, who are you to say that? This is, this yeah. is, a, this is an official, you know, people that have been basically, this is a British film of, you know, British Board of Film Classification have decided this. And you think you know better? Just a bunch of fucking busybody MPs and stuff. It's, it's odd, isn't it? It's fucking it's really, bizarre. really, really strange. You know, really, we're 14 really, really episodes strange. in now, 14 episodes in, and we're still finding these fucking strange little <laughs> information that's kind of still blowing my mind a little bit. It's, uh, 
what a time, you know what I mean? It really is. I think that's one of the more fun aspects of doing the podcast is actually realising how weird things were in the not-so-distant past. You know, this isn't like a full... I mean, we grew up, like we were small, uh, but yeah, we grew it's up in It's only a generation back, isn't it? Yeah, it's really, really, really weird. Um, mm. Is there anything else you want to say about the Beyond before we go on and um, apply our new grading system to it? Just quickly, I just want to say I think it holds up. Um, I think a lot of films that you watch from the 80s, you watch today and you think, oh, they're a bit shit actually, aren't they? It's really not that good. And this is one of the ones that I can watch, you know, 35 years later, 34 years later and think, oh, this is fucking great. I love it. It's brilliant. So uh, I think that's kind of a testament to Fulci, just that a film mm-hmm. this old can still be, you know, one of those sort of classic, classic horror films. Um, with regards to a rating... Uh, I think I can only give it a, a slap on the wrist. I'm the same, yeah. There's there's nothing, there's no sexual violence in here. There's n- none of that, the humiliation violence we've talked about in the past. It is, it is graphically gory in parts, but to be fair, it's even from my point of view and your point of view, it's, it's very clear that it's special effects. It's not yeah. aiming to be realistic gore. Um... And there's nothing in it that is overly offensive from from my point of view at all. So I'd have to say slap on the wrist as well. Um, Now knowing that the version we've seen is the uncut version, um, and being aware that this movie at the time would be likely missing most of the gore sequences we've talked about, um, as coming to our second grade of should it been on the prosecuted list, um, where's your stance on that? Um, in its un, in its fully uncut version, I think it should have been on the original thirty nine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the cut version that was released, I think it's yeah it's yeah the the, the, the thirty three the non prosecutor it is its pro, is its proper home based on the ninety yeah. seconds of cuts. I mean, you know, there's some amazing stuff in there. I think we forgot to talk about the child that gets shot in the face and a face. That's just amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> You know, and I can understand why they probably cut that in, in at the time, but if that kind of stuff was intact, I think it would have been up for consideration for prosecution. But as it happens, we've you know we've now sort of got clarification, and the version that they considered was ninety seconds missing worth of, of gore. Then I think yeah, the the, the final you know the thirty three this you know it, sh- it should have been on that one. It should have been on the non prosecuted. I'm gonna 100% agree with you. Yeah, if yeah. it had been if it had been fully cut, then yeah, definitely. But we know that it was uh, cut at the time, um, so it's it's spiritual home and its actual home are the same place, which is the non-prosecuted list. So, yeah. yeah, that's that's our first one down. Uh, we will be saying goodbye to Fulci. Uh, he will no longer be on this list. He's had an impressive run. There are three films on the list. Um, really and good. It's pretty yeah, pretty good that we got to talk about three really powerful Fulci movies um, and we're moving on to our next movie review which you're going to take the lead on sir yeah um, oh yeah uh, it is the Boogeyman or Bogeyman from 1980 you're going to hear uh, some promos for the Horrorphilia Podcast Network shows you're also going to hear some people talking about this movie and then you're going to hear Andy talking about this movie which is the only talking about this movie you should be interested in and we're going to hear what he has to say about it <laughs> right after this <laughs> There are many mysteries in this world, 
And whether you believe or not believe, we gather to explore the strange and unexplained, where the paranormal is normal and nothing tastes like chicken. We are Mysterious Boom! Exclusively on the Horophilia Network of Podcasts. The Bogeyman. Directed by Uli Lommel. He was from Germany. He directed Tenderness of the Wolves for Rainer Werner Fassbinder. And he moved to America when he married his wife, Susanna Love, who's actually the star of The Bogeyman. He told me at the time, because I actually did go to Los Angeles to interview him on this movie, that he saw it as a cross between the arthouse horror of Europe and the American stalk and slash. The DPP failed to get a conviction on this movie because the BBFC had already issued it as an ex-certificate, so they were on very dodgy ground with this one. Um, despite the repeated scissor stabbing, the screwdriver through the head, and the pitchfork killing, um, these were all very well done. The murder set pieces, I thought, were terrific. When you were a child, did they warn you about the boogeyman? The boogeyman. He hurt bad children and did terrible things to their mommies. But you can't kill the boogeyman. And welcome back. So movie number two of this evening is a film from the USA from 1980, The Boogeyman, or The Bogeyman, depending on where in the world you live. Um, directed by Uli Lommel, I think. Uh, mm. Released in November 81 added to the list in October 83, and then removed in July 85. It took him about nearly two years to decide, actually, no, this does not need to be prosecuted. Um, synopsis, um, we've got a couple of kids watching their kinky mum taking a <laughs> slider stocking seductively off of her leg and then put it over someone's face. Which, I'll be honest, that when it goes over that guy's face, that's fucking terrifying. How anyone yeah. would find that sexy is beyond me. And the fact he keeps it on, the fact he keeps it on after that, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Probably feels obligated. He probably th- he's probably never been with her before, and he's thought, oh, God, oh, are we doing this, are we? All right, okay. I didn't, <laughs> didn't know this was going to happen. I didn't okay. realise we were doing bank rob or role play. Yeah, I didn't realise. He could have told me. I would have bought my gun and swag bag. So <laughs> she realises that her kids are watching her. So the lover, I mean, he kind of takes it upon himself. I don't. This is taking. A, this is a bit of a liability, a bit of a, um, a bit of a piss take. I think where he takes her son and just ties him to the bed. Yeah. Come on, mate. Like that's a bit half S- order. A bit, a bit extreme. Send him to his room without sweets, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But tie him <laughs> to a bit and gags his mouth. Yeah, so it's a bit much. So the um, the sister comes to his rescue anyway and cuts him free with a huge sort of Michael Myers-style kitchen knife that they've obviously oh, yeah. copied from Halloween. Oh, the um, next sequence. Come on, the next sequence. The POV carrying of the knife. I was like, oh, come on. I know this is 1980, but come on. Come on. At least just make it slightly different a little bit. Anyway, he um, stabs the lover to death. Um, and then years later it kind of flashes forward um, you know we've got the son who did the mur- the, the little boy sort of who did the murder he's now like a, a bit of a mute guy and then you've got the sister who's um, unfortunately still kind of reliving it and trying to come to terms with it 
Um, so they visit the old house where it happened. Um, she sees a vision of the love of the house is basically up for sale, isn't it? So they pretend that they're kind of looking around to buy it. Um, and the, the girl sees a vision of the guy that was murdered in the mirror. So she smashes the mirror. Um, and then that apparently frees the vengeful spirit of the lover who then goes around killing people supernaturally. Mm-hmm. So there's your synopsis. Um, this is all right, this. It was sort of quite insane. I started watching it last night, but I was like too too busy looking at tattoo things on Facebook. So I thought oh, I need to, I kind of rewatched it again this morning. It's not a bad little movie. Um, yep. There's some decent gore. It's not disturbing gore, but there's some cool little uh, practical gore sequences. I mean, they've stole other things. They've, obviously, they've stolen the Michael Myers POV shot on the knife. They've also stole the house from Amateurville because it looks exactly oh, yeah. doesn't it? Um, what I did like about this is some cool kind of mirror folklore, sort of on the history of why breaking a mirror gives you seven years bad luck. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently it's because it releases all the negative things that the image that the mirror has kind of witnessed over the years so if kind of terrible depressing things have happened in the view of this mirror it kind of gathers all that apparently when you smash the mirror everything gets released so I thought that was quite cool that it kind of goes into that and then it talks about you can bury the mirror and that like takes the curse away And because I thought the film Mirrors even though it turned out unfortunately to be a bit shit um <laughs> Is I really like the concept of that. I really like the concept of seeing yourself like a rede- almost demonic reflection of yourself, and that brutally murders you, almost committing, you know, like committing suicide and killing you. And I thought that was fucking great. I love that. And I remember like some of the gore was really good in mirrors, like the guy sort of tearing his bottom jaw off, and the other person like slashing their throat and stuff. So I think the whole thing of mirrors is quite creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite good, this movie. I, I enjoyed it, actually. I didn't think I would have because we talked about this because it's on Amazon, isn't it? They've just been released on 88 films. I know you were gonna, thinking of buying it. Um, yeah, what did you think to it? Um, a couple of things that I thought were really quite interesting about it or a couple of things that I, I, I felt were more negative towards it. Um, I will say that straight away, once again, without beating the same drum for this whole episode I thought the score was really good I thought it had yeah. that kind of very reminiscent of a kind of more synthy version of Halloween and it definitely it definitely pays more than just a tip of the cap to Halloween um, there's a lot of that in the first two thirds of this movie uh, oh. kind of the, the kind of slashery elements of this movie because it is a slasher and it isn't a slasher like towards the end it's, it's straight up supernatural but whilst People are dying in a various different ways throughout the kind of the middle section of this movie. It very much feels the idea of a kind of POV slasher killer. Um, so I, I, I quite liked I quite liked the idea. I mean, I, I, we've got to give it a bit of credit. It did come out in 1980, so it does predate. I believe it came out either about the same time. Um, as you know, some of the slashers were starting to come out, but at this point we don't have Jason Voorhees yet. Um, kind of really fully galvanizing the idea of what a slasher movie is. So we're really yeah. working off the the back of Halloween, and at least they tried to take that aspect and didn't just do a carbon copy. Yeah, there is there is plagiarized sections of Halloween in this movie, but the fact that they add that kind of supernatural element, you're you're spot on. Amityville is obviously an influence. The Exorcist is obviously an influence. Oh yeah, um, cool. yeah. Like towards the end with the the, the the whole kind of idea of the priest. Um, 
So yeah, it kind of it doesn't know exactly what it wants to be. It kind of wants to be a slasher movie. It kind of wants to be supernatural and possession. Um, it's kind of muddled. It's probably my biggest criticism is like when we jump into that last third of the movie and we're going into this more kind of spiritual demon sort of possession from a mirror killer sort of thing I'm, I'm kind of looking at it going I would never at the start of this film believe this is where we would have ended up <laughs> but it, it wasn't so much of a stretch that I didn't enjoy it um, yeah. I thought like I say I thought like the gore effects are actually handled pretty well I don't think they're mm. amazing but I don't think they're terrible um, yeah. there is a very kind of weirdly J-horror aspect about this movie to do with that possession through the mirror and the, the, the evil spirit and mirrors the movie you mentioned which is obviously um it kind of falls in a similar sort of wheelhouse of the story. Mirrors is based on a Japanese movie anyway, so you get that. Um, that there is something very kind of G, what would become J-horror afterwards about yeah. it in terms of some of the aspects as well as mixing it in with that kind of the American style of doing things like Amityville. Um, I didn't think the acting was bad. Uh, to be honest, I thought the acting was probably on par with a lot of movies a lot mm. of the slasher movies from this time period I thought the gore was well it is, it is not a bad movie um, which was surprising because I kind of thought like my only other experience of a slasher movie these lesser known slasher movies that 88 films are putting out is Don't Go in the Woods Alone and we <laughs> spoke about that movie and that one is laugh out loud ridiculous right Yeah. Um, and completely over the top and nonsensical at parts I kind of expected the boogeyman to be the same and I was actually mildly surprised at the fact that it doesn't go down that road at all. It kind yeah. of plays it a bit more serious. And I think probably towards its credit, it plays it a bit more serious. Yeah, there's sequences in it that are just ludicrous, like the guy tying the kid up. Or the, the kid that dies with a, uh, dies at the hand of the, the, the window. I was like, that's a wee bit fucking strange. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, really? <laughs> really? Um <laughs> or the cabinet door that attacks someone. Uh, you know what I mean? There's, there's some kind of really weird sequences in this movie, but for the foremost, there is there is that idea of a guy trying to pull together different different influences into one movie. Um, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. Overall, I thought it was an interesting enough movie. I'll probably still buy it on Blu-ray, if I'm honest. Yeah. Uh, I would like to see a cleaner print of it. I would like to hear, you know, the better sound quality, etc. And I would like to, if there's some good special features in there, I'd like to hear about some of what went into this one. Um, because, like I say, I thought it was actually surprisingly alright. I'm not going to say it was a great movie. I'm not going to say it's one of the, the better ones on the list, but it's by nowhere near one of the worst ones that we've tackled. It just, for me, it's the middle of the road, I think. Um uh, it, it was interesting. It, it was. It was. It kind of reminded me. Kind of had the same feelings about this one as I did with uh, Nightmares and a Damaged Brain. When we finished okay. that one, I was like, it kind of. It was doing something slightly off kilter to what I was expecting it to do, and that's what interested me. This movie's kind of the same. I was expecting a kind of paint by numbers, Halloween style slasher movie, um, and that's not what you get. And if you look at yeah. the 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 poster art um, for this this uh, movie. Is a woman at a window, and the shadow of a man, like 
outside, like kind of almost eclipsing the, the, the window frame, making you think it is a slasher killer and not supernatural. I think that's what's quite interesting about it. Even that aspect. I think the cover, which is on the the eight films, one of the priest holding the crucifix up, is more apt to the movie than than the original one, which is definitely... It is yeah. more apt, isn't it? But it's still like hardly relevant because that's about the like. It's the last about. sequence, yeah. That, that yeah, whole sequence with the priest and that doesn't really the the whole kind of that stuff doesn't really happen until the last third of the movie, and that sequence mm. is like it's about a two minute sequence in the last ten minutes of the movie. Yeah, I mean we've we've talked about eighty eight films in the past on the different podcasts, like the uh, tourist trap and the front cover they decided to use on that eighty eight film seemed to have the most fucking random front covers on their Blu-rays that really yeah. don't give any indication to what the film's about, and I really think they dropped the ball on that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this one, I knew it was about a haunted mirror. Oh, um, right. So wasn't expecting it to be a slasher. I was kind of thinking, oh, for fuck's sake, it's not going to be like Oculus, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I like Oculus. Yeah, I enjoyed this more than Oculus, let me tell you. You're insane! Um, <laughs> I'm uh, podcasting with an insane man. <laughs> but... Uh, so now I thought, yeah, I thought this was okay. I don't know if I'd buy it on Blu-ray. I might do if it comes out like, really cheap. If I can pick it up for a fiver, I probably would do. Um, yeah, I think you can get it just now for about nine quid. Oh, can you? Okay. So yeah, and, um, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'd probably wait until a couple of pound drop off it again and then I'll pick it up. Yeah. Let's talk about the sequels. Um, we've got Boogeyman. Oh, t- are both of them on, can we just say, are both of them on the list? I know one of them definitely is The Revenge. The third one is definitely on the list. Is it? Yeah. Oh, for fuck's I've sake. I've got a sneaky right. suspicion that the other one might be on the list as well. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Revenge of the Boogeyman is going to be on episode number 21. Right, this is a problem, Duncan, because, you know, let me tell you why this is a problem. Boogeyman 2 is a 79-minute running movie. Around 40 minutes of that is footage from Boogeyman 1. <laughs> Return of the Boogeyman, Boogeyman 3, which you yeah. just uh, kindly informed me is episode 21, Yes, largely also includes footage of the previous two movies. <laughs> so <laughs> that's going to be tedious as fuck. Because but, yeah, but then that kind of makes sense to me. If, if Revenge of Boogeyman did make it onto the list and it's using footage from Boogeyman 1, then that makes sense to me. Why is yeah. the second one not on the list then? That's, That's a good point. Thing. It's just a shame we have to sit through it. Lommel, apparently, the director has also expressed interest in making a fourth film, tentatively titled Fo- Boogeyman 4D. Right, this evolved... 4D. <laughs> yeah. What a knob. Um, into it, this is meant to be like a reimagining of the original. Now I'm thinking, hang on a minute, if part two has got loads of footage from part one and part three has got loads of footage just from part one and two, part four is just going to be the first three films <laughs> and it's going to be like no new footage. Oh, like, you can't do that, mate. So oh, I can't believe we've got to sit through like half of this, half of the same movie again when we get to episode twenty-one. That's insane. In, in, fair, in fairness, in fairness, um, that episode, episode twenty-one, has Prisoner of the Cannibal God, which I've never heard of before, but also has the Slayer on it, and I have seen the Slayer before, and I dig that movie. So okay. that might be the saving grace for that episode. All right, wicked. Okay, because. <laughs> Yeah, I can't, like, I love a recap, don't get me wrong, right, and I think that's missing from a lot of modern sequels, like, like, like Friday the 13th Part 4, 
he's got this amazing recap, hasn't it, of like the first Aye. three films. Yeah, but they, they properly montage that whole thing in and condense three movies into like a, a three-minute opening clip. So you know that when you jump into yeah. the fourth one, you've recapped everything. You're good to go. Let's go. Not not dissimilar to the remake, really, is it? Condensing the first, first three films into the first ten minutes. Uh, so I'm all up for a recap, but don't like... You know, a recap's one thing. Like, half of your movie being the previous movie is... Yeah, come on, that's just taking the piss. Didn't, didn't Sleepaway Camp do a similar thing? Yeah, Sleepaway Camp have kind of fault. Well, but not, not to the... Yeah, kind of... And not, not to like that extent where they're using pretty much a whole film. Um, yeah, I'm hoping yeah. it's an exaggeration. Someone's basically said of the 79 minutes, 40 of it is the previous film. I don't know if that's an exaggeration. I can't imagine they would have used literally half, but we'll we'll see, won't we, when we get there? Oh, yeah. One cannot wait. <laughs> but like you say, luckily there's other good movies on that episode, so that's fine. And I have been looking through this because we talked about, you know, are there going to be decent films for people to kind of stay tuned in for? Mm. And there are. There's some really fucking good stuff coming up, like Contamination, um, Dead and Buried, which is the next episode. That's a decent movie. Yeah. Um, the Fun House is a good film. Like obviously, you've got Inferno coming up that I'm looking forward to watching, Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue. So. It's an interesting episode, this, because I think it kind of proves that even though we're now on the non-prosecuted shows, it doesn't mean that the films are all of a sudden going to be terrible. Yeah, well, we, we're two movies into this episode, Andy, and at the moment I am still... I, I've enjoyed two movies. Yeah, different degrees, better than a hell of a lot of the stuff that's come before it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, right, so like, let's bring Boogeyman or Bogeyman in for a close then. Um, I will kick us off with the grading. Uh, I will say that this to me is... I, I, in my heart of hearts, I think on some level I want to say case dismissed, but there is some, there is some decent kills in this one. Like, there's a, like an ice pick through the back of the head which yeah. is, I think is very well done. So to me, from that point of view, probably come in with a slap on the wrists. Um, yeah. And pro- I would say, yeah, it's, 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 it's in its right place. This is uh, non-prosecuted all the way. Yeah, same. Um, yeah, I mean, there are some good kills, like scissors to the neck. Um, oh, I love that sequence. Like you say, very rapidly followed up by a, by a kid who, I don't know if South Park got their idea from this, the kid is called Timmy, and he jumps in the window and goes, Boogeyman, in like a Timmy voice. <laughs> and then like the window slams down on his neck, and it's like, yeah, well, you deserve that. You're <laughs> He's making people jump the whole film, isn't he? He just like, hide, like, hides and jumps out on people, making them jump, little bastard. Um, so yeah, it's not completely to shit to the point where we dismiss it. It is a slap on the wrist, because there's some decent gore, and it's quite a you know, competently made movie. It's not, not bad at all. Um, but yeah, it deserves its place where it is on the non-prosecuted list. There's nothing in here that's uh, you know particularly bad, so I can understand why they why this one got dropped. Yeah, definitely. So we have one more movie review to do. We're going to take a short break. You're going to hear promos, and you are going to hear people talking about 1980 Cannibal Terror. That's right, coming back with another cannibal movie. I bet you thought you'd seen the end of that. On the last list, nope, we've got a whole new list to do now. Um, so yeah, we're going to be talking about this movie right after this break. Well, Gary, here we are. Somehow uh, we made it through here. What? Where? Uh, we're in the sequel, of course. Sequel? What sequel? Well, Sloppy Seconds, the movie sequel podcast. Come on, get with it. Oh, that's right. Our podcast is exclusively about sequels, where the budget is well, bigger. we don't actually have a budget. Get away 
from her, you bitch! But the action's more exciting? Uh, I don't know much about action. Hey, you got a light? Sure, man. Allow me, scum. The babes are hotter? Wait, there's babes involved? How about some of this? So tasty and hard and firm, and it just melts in your mouth. The kills get gorier and more extreme? Uh, kills? Did we talk about this? Uh, never mind. So five sloppy seconds, the movie sequel podcast, exclusively on the Horror Network. Because when all other podcasts are through, we're already thinking about part two. Cannibal Terror, which is regarded by those that have actually managed to sit for it all as one of the very worst examples of the cannibal genre. And you know what? They're not wrong. And to add a bit of ambience, we have loop jungle sounds which repeats over and over to the point of irritation, with the occasional shot of some badly inserted stock footage of exotic birds and an alligator. And the gore, well, that's laughable too. Every time someone is captured by the cannibals, the following gut-munching scene cuts to a chowing down scene, which features an obvious pig carcass stuffed with all sorts of offal of some sort. It was shot in French. And the English dubbing must have been done on the cheap because they've actually made no effort to sync it up to the lip movements. There's also a scene where a guy plays an acoustic guitar later in the film, which is also woefully dubbed. It's just ridiculous. Rather surprisingly, though, it made its way onto the DPP's very first list of 17 nasties back in July 83, only to be dropped in January of 85 when it was unsuccessfully prosecuted. Are you surprised? So is it worth a watch? Well, not really. It depends on your trash tolerance levels. Here's the trailer. And welcome back. So this is the final movie review of this episode, number 14. Um, it's Cannibal Terror from 1980. Oh yeah. Goody. Yay. Um, <laughs> uh, there are a couple of different directors put in against this project which probably explains why it's so much of a fucking mess um, yep. and I, I was reading this really interesting article um, online about this movie and the conspiracies behind who actually directed it and um, okay. this theory keeps coming back that um, our good buddy Jess Franco directed this yeah I mean I know his part, he wrote part of it and I, I know a lot of the footage in the movie is from the film Mondo Cannibal which is one of Jess Franco's films yeah yeah so um, they're, they're basically I, I, there's this kind of unofficial theory that maybe maybe this is the, the same movie and I I don't know from from what they were saying there's, there's definitely there's definitely similar actors and there's definitely I, I don't know if I would fully see I, the thing about Jess Franco and we, we've discussed about him before because um, he's got quite a few movies on this list is um, yeah. he, he has he made so many movies I, I think we looked at the time that he was there not at one point he was releasing on average about three or four films a year every year from like the 60s right up to his yeah. death in like the 2000s which yeah. so I mean it would not surprise me to find out that maybe yeah he was involved with some sort of you know you know just jumped in made another movie and put it under another name to to, to kind of get it out there but I don't know <laughs> the thing about the thing about Mondo Cannibal is that it came out 
was it not just like the same year? I think it's the same year or the year before. Um, so maybe, I don't know, maybe it was, I don't know, it's, it's weird. The thing is, you've, you, you've got to be really well-schooled on the films. It's like if, if I put Mondo Cannibal on now, I wouldn't think, oh, there's loads of stuff that's the same because like I can't really remember Cannibal Terror well enough. Do you know what I mean? I think yeah. you'd have to be really, you'd have to probably watch that film a good three or four times and then watch the other one a good three or four times to be able to kind of sit and work out which bits are there. But yeah, apparently there is a lot of footage that's very, well, it's basically identical. And like you say, the the cast are very similar. The locations are the same. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know what's going on there. I don't know why Cannib- uh, you know, Mondo Cannibal is not on the list then if they're very similar. I don't know how that escapes really. Yeah, there's... A- I'm tr- I'm trying to cast my memory back. We watched a cannibal movie, and I ca- and it reminded me of this, and it was like an action cannibal movie, and I can't remember what it was. Remember the one um, with? I'll tell you. Hang on. Had the weird like dude that had the remember he had like almost a six million dollar man sound when he was walking. And pit and the ping pong eyes. Yeah, yeah. What the fuck was the yeah. name of that movie? Can- uh, Devil Hunter. Was that Devil Hunter? Right. Yeah. So I, there was elements of that that kind of reminded because this movie has this idea again of basically criminals doing something. Uh, well, in fact, I'll read you the synopsis. Synopsis is after a botch kidnapping, two criminals hide with their victim in a friend's house in the jungle, as you do. Um, after one yeah. of them rapes the friend's wife, they they are left to be eaten by a nearby cannibal tribe. So it kind of reminded me of that idea. It was a not some sort of kidnapping. And the, there the, was the, yeah they they kidnapped a uh, like a film star didn't they in the yeah. Devil Hunter right so I mean uh, that instantly made me think of that you know why why would you kidnap someone and then go to the jungle I don't I don't bizarre. get it's, it's it was stupid then it's stupid now but yeah, um, yeah so the 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 story is pretty and if memory serves as well the majority of the cannibal the tribe cannibal people in that movie as well were just white people white hippies. Yeah, do you know? Yeah, I mean, I think like it's like with with Cannibal Holocaust, obviously they used real tribes people. Yeah. But for like the rape scenes and stuff, they were obviously British or American female actors because I suppose it's really hard to convince tribes people that you're going to rape them and it's just for you know for pretend. Yeah. So yeah. I totally understand why they had to do that, but they were covered in mud, so even though it was quite obvious that they weren't, you know, the same kind of. Uh, you know, the same nationality as the as the cannibals. With this one, this is the most unconvincing cannibals I've ever seen. Like I've seen European people on on the Eurovision look less European than these people. Yeah. Like yeah. imagine like the most stereotypical Spanish waiter you can think of. Put face paint on him and they're you cannibals, aren't they? Yeah. They look so they look so European and they're so, supposed to be. Yeah. So happy and this idea of kidnapping and there was a couple of things didn't sit well with me in this movie, right? Um, the ending didn't sit well with me in this movie. I thought the ending was cheesy as fuck. I mean, like on the on the level of cheese that I have not experienced. This whole idea of by the end of the movie, the cannibals are helping them out. Don't worry, your daughter's good. She should be back to her mother now, and we have eaten the criminals and a. And it's a really poorly put together film because in that sequence, the camera pans down to the decapitated head of the one of one of our criminals, who is actually it's like his real head. Basically, they've obviously put the the, the 
the table, etc., up to the point where yeah. it looks like it, and put makeup on him. But he fucking blinks. <laughs> he blinks. Yeah. He visibly blinks. Um, right at the end of the shot, he blinks. And it, we kind of jump back down to this kind of almost blood feast level of gore in that. It's just awful that's getting pulled yeah. out. It's, you know, bits of animal parts are getting pulled out and fake eaten by these European <laughs> wannabe cannibals. Um, yeah. I, this movie has a rape sequence. So it it's does. the one It's the one that gives us a rape on this show. Um, yeah. And it's a weird fucking sequence. So basically, the kid, you know, after kidnapping the kid and they fly to this friend's house and the wife's there and they tie her up to this tree, very kind of almost sacrificial. And then yeah. this, uh, one of the criminals rapes her. Um, but the expressions are all off and you'd sent me a snapshot of it and there's something really unsettling about how much she's enjoying it. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not saying that in a way which... Yo, oh, Duncan's being a misogynistic. No, I'm not. Like you watch the sequence, and it's acted wrong. The whole sequence is acted so wrong, and it's it is. I found that more uncomfortable than the actual rape sequence. Was like this doesn't. Yeah. It feels wrong. The whole sequence feels like it's it's been put together wrong, or the actors have been given the wrong direction. You know, one of them's read one the the original script, which said, you know, make love to a woman, enjoy it. And then the other one had read this one, rape a woman, be be still. <laughs> and the two of them are acting like, and I, I, I didn't like that sequence. I thought that sequence was really bad. But obviously, to exact revenge, um, they tie one of the criminals up to be eaten by the, the cannibals. And I'm not going to lie, this movie was pretty shit. <laughs> um, I didn't really enjoy it at all. I thought there wasn't... And once again, it comes back to that level of we've seen probably the pinnacle of the genre we've seen how the genre like that particular subgenre should be done we've seen it and we've seen it executed masterfully and uncomfortably yeah. that all these movies kind of putting these movies side by side with the ones that d- do it right kind of really highlights how easy it is to make this these sort of movies wrong um, and it just doesn't it, there's nothing in this movie at all, which made me think, oh, it's so edgy, it's so out there, it's, you know, it's, it's all been done by other movies, and it's all been done considerably better. What was your take yeah. on it? Yeah, I mean, just going back to the rape scene, I mean, it's fucking ridiculous. When when her father discovers that she's been raped, he kind of cuts her down and stuff. Now, she, first of all, she can barely walk because she's so traumatised by this horrendous rape, she can't even walk. The next minute, she's at a party dancing around, singing La Cucaracha, La Cucaracha. I know, what the fuck was up with that? And then 30 seconds later, she's back to being traumatised again. It's like, I know like when you go to a party and your song comes on, you go, oh, yeah, <laughs> you have to get up and dance. <laughs> but come on, that's mental. And she was it... literally like having to be carried from the scene because she was so traumatised. It's, like yeah, it's like that thing where, um, you know, people that are... You know, like people that are falsely claiming disability benefit, you know, <laughs> they have like a, a crutch or something because they quote unquote can't walk. And then, yeah. you know, like when they get home, the crutch gets flung in the corner, the music goes on, they have a little bit of boogie until <laughs> the door gets knocked and then all oh, the crutch. It's just so. <laughs> Do you know just, what, right? Oh, 
this is brilliant. In my job, I basically came across this guy that was um, he'd been prosecuted by the police for claiming full disability living allowance, right? Which is like to 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 get full disability living allowance, you have to be pretty in a pretty fucking bad way. Yeah. And the way the police rumbled him, and like the the fact that he wasn't actually disabled, is that he was on Britain's Got Talent doing acrobatics. <laughs> Similar to that, then. So, ah, oh, just so bad. But it's the fact that, I mean, to me, I thought maybe they'd filmed the sequence, and they've just edited wrong. So maybe that sequence was supposed to happen before she was earlier on. Yeah, yeah, and they've just edited it in the wrong place, and that's the only way you could justify that sequence, because the, the, to- like the tonal she- shifts are just too strange. Like she couldn't be having more of a good time. I've never seen anyone so happy at a party. So yeah, it's just so bizarre maybe a volume kicked in for a second i don't know (laughs) like and then like i mean it starts off weird as well like you've got this dad like a father talk this is the kid that gets kidnapped as well like father talking to his five-year-old kid like he's trying to seduce her the way he's talking to her it's really odd now i'll give the filmmakers the benefit of the doubt that this is just terrible dubbing Rather than paedophilia, you know, yeah, just really bad fucking uh, bad dubbing from the from the people doing the the overdub. It's like it's a French movie, isn't it? Yes, it is uh, French. Yeah, uh, with, with English dubbing on the top. Now this girl would be terrible at twenty questions. This made me piss. Right, the dad on the other end of the phone says, oh, "I've made you something." Right, and she goes, "Oh, what is it?" And it's like a little fucking uh, origami animal that he's got. And he goes, "Right, I'll describe it to you." He goes, "It's got two eyes." A moustache, he says a, a pink one at that. Now, by the way, he, he means whiskers when he says moustache. So, again, that just backs up how terrible the dubbing is. He means whiskers. Um, he goes, it's got big pointy ears, and when you stroke it, it goes meow. She goes, is it a shark? <laughs> no, he goes, she goes, is it a zebra? He goes, no. And she goes, is it a cat? He goes, yeah, you fucking idiot, it is a cat. <laughs> When you stroke it, it goes meow. Is it a shark? I fucking pissed myself. Now, (laughs) I actually then went on to think this is actually relevant to her character development of being a moron because later on when she's kidnapped and taken to a different country by strangers, she does not complain once. She just goes off like she's on some kind of school trip. It's mental. Like like the kid just doesn't seem bothered by the fact that she's been like taken away into the jungle. Mm-hmm. Which isn't a jungle either. It just looks like a Spanish woodland or something. Um, yeah, it's just ridiculous. Like you, you can't get on board with it when there's just stupid shit like that happening. It's just really bizarre, like all the way through. I mean, the only thing I will say is that the gore and stuff does belong, I think, somewhere else. Yeah, I think it belongs on the prosecutor list. The type of gore because you've got, yeah. even, even though it is pretty shit and like you say, it is awful. It is still pretty gruesome to watch. It's people being disemboweled. It's yes. you know, it's people being eaten. People having their kidneys and you know livers munched on. Obviously, it's an animal liver and kidney, but it's, it looks convincing. And as much as you know, they're removing it from someone's stomach, and it is an organ, you know, from an animal. So there is some gore, but I don't know based on what you were saying earlier if a lot of that stuff is the stuff that's borrowed from the other film. And without watching it, I can't possibly say. Yeah. 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 It's so, weird. I, I, I don't know. I, you know what I mean? It's, I, I was watching it and it's, it's finished. Film. 
Yeah, and I kind of thought to myself, this is just like so poorly put together, and th- it, it kind of feels like a couple of different movies mashed into one. Um, yeah. and Which just kind of ma- is, I suppose. Isn't yeah, it? but just not done right. You know, I mean, not even like you would you would imagine if you didn't have to spend money shooting certain sequences. You could spend the money that you had editing it right, and it just doesn't feel like anyone gave a fuck about it. It just kind of feels like, once again, it's another movie that has been put out to ride the coattails of the the kind of cannibal genre, which was a bit more prevalent, you know, late seventies, early eighties. Um, and it's yeah, it's, it's not one of the better cannibal movies we've seen. Actually, I wouldn't go as far as to say it's my least favorite. Um, okay, but it's definitely nowhere near one of the best ones that we've looked at thus far. It just kind of feels overall, like I say, like a bit of a mess and not an enjoyable yeah. mess. No. It's, <sighs> yeah, it's just it's just a fucking bad film. I mean, they, they all walk off into the sunset at the end. But I then saw, it, to yeah, be that fair, ending. Fuck that ending. <laughs> but then, to be fair, Duncan, that happens at the end of Taken as well. So, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Taken is yeah. different. Liam Neeson goes around like a badass kicking the shit out of people and jabbing yeah. fucking metal spikes into someone and passing electric current through them. You know what I mean? As ah, uh, my god! See, no, the, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, only, I'm not knocking Taken. I fucking yeah. love Taken. It just yeah. made me laugh. Like that's a proper happy Hollywood end as well. Yeah, that is, that is the happy Hollywood end. Seeing Taken, that, if she'd been kidnapped and drugged up with fucking heroin like, like those women but in the middle there was a party sequence where her song come on and she danced then yeah I'd say fuck that movie <laughs> um, hey! <and> not... <laughs> raising the roof and stuff <laughs> it's just yeah I think yeah I just I don't I didn't I didn't really enjoy this movie at all just, I just kind of it doesn't work because... that's right that's that's the that's I think that's the best way to sum up it just doesn't work doesn't work as a movie Um so it should be no surprise. Unfortunately, I am going to have to give it a probably. Now, see, it has a rape sequence in it. It is really yeah. gory, and in the past, rape sequences have achieved a community service. So not when she's nearly laughing. Though, I don't well, that was that's what I was going to say. It's all about context, though. In the context, she's not. It's a horrible scene. It's a horrible scene, and it's ineptitude. So it's probably still just going to be a slap on the wrists. Because yeah. it is gory, there is people being disembowelled. That effect is actually pretty jarring. Um, mm. There is a rape sequence in it; it's handled pretty poorly. The rest of the film's shite, but yeah, it's probably still going to be slap on the wrists. And um, do I think it deserves to be upped? Probably not. Actually, um, still, I think even though the gore effects are the bit that's probably the the best handled out of the entire movie, I just think it fails on a level of being a film. Um, <laughs> so much so that. It would it would almost make that it would almost make the prosecutor let's see if this movie had been handled a bit more serious handled better you could have imagined it being shunted up but because it's not it probably stays where it is what about yourself um yeah I think it should just get a slap on the wrist for the same reason you said you know it, it, yeah there is a rape scene but she's not doesn't look that distressed well she does at one point and then she doesn't um yeah. like she's changed her mind halfway through she's then dancing and singing La Cucaracha. 30 seconds after being traumatised and then goes back to sitting in the corner with her head in her hands because, you know, it's it's fucking bizarre. So it can only get a slap on the wrist for that. But I actually do think it should have been on the original 39. Oh, controversial. Just because of the just because of its content. Now, I, I know you say it's a completely, like, shit film, basically, and that it's very badly put together. It's horrendous dubbing. 
you know, there's terrible editing fuck-ups in there and stuff, but there's a, there's other films that were on the 39 list that are just as inept and just as, as shite, um, and they still made the 39 prosecutor list. So I think because of the, you know, the quite horrendous kind of disembowelment and gut-munching, mm-hmm. and although shit-rape scene, still a rape scene, I think this one should have been on the original 39. There we go. Yeah, there we are. So we have our mm. first... Our first movie being nominated for that that list. Um, That's quite interesting. Uh, We'll see how many more in the remaining shows get the the, the seal of approval to be included on the 39. Um, It'll be quite interesting. It's a long road to go. Uh, We're going to take a short break. We're going to come back and we're going to close out the show right after this. The Nanoaser is filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hey, Wazelle, I think we should record a new ad for Bananoaser. Great idea, Dave. We should say that Banana Laser Horror Podcast is hosted by us and Alex. What? I heard my name. I think we should talk about the retrospectives. They've been a pretty big hit. Fucking Friday the 13th, Saw, Halloween retrospective. Yeah, man. I've heard people listen to that Halloween retrospective every October like it's tradition. Yeah, you don't say. Well, I shouldn't be surprised. I do, too. You listen to your own podcast? Yeah, uh, our shit is that damn good. Yeah, man, we should also say in the ad we hope to introduce horror fans to something new, whether it's a movie they haven't heard of or look at other films in a new way. Yeah, we could talk about our walking through the 80s specials we did when we covered the 80s movies. We could talk about rolling through the 70s. We could talk about you doing mushrooms. (laughs) Yeah, we can. Are you writing this down? Writing? What are you two talking about? Yeah, and the ad should say all the technical stuff, too. Like, you can find our show and its full archive on horrorphilia.com, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube. Uh, is there anything else? I don't think so. I think that's... Oh, hold on. We could talk about uh, Banana Bites, because no one else does it. It's uh, the in between episodes. Yeah, all about horror news releases, and, of course, with our witty opinions and observations. Ugh. Yeah, shit. Perfect, man. I think that should do it. This new ad for Banana Laser is going to be awesome. Oh, that's what you guys are talking about. Can I be on it? No. Banana Laser wins every time. And welcome back. So that's our three movies of tonight. And pleasantly surprised, to be honest, because I I loved how this kicked off. (laughs) Yeah. Because you've got a film that I personally think should have been on the original 39. We've got a film that we both agree is one of Fulci, well, your favourite Fulci movie and probably one of my favourite Fulci movies. Um, really entertaining film. And then The Boogeyman, which, although not an amazing movie, is is worth watching. I think if I'd have watched that as a kid, I think I'd really fucking love that film. Yeah. You know, if I'd kind of got introduced to that maybe when I was about sort of, you know, 12, 13, when I was, you know, seeking out horror films, Mm -hmm. I think that I'd have quite a special little place in my heart because it's not a bad little film at all. Um, But yeah, I think that's a really strong start for our non-prosecuted. And I think, you know, it kind of puts my fears to rest a little bit that I thought, oh God, now, you know, we've we've witnessed some shit films so far. The rest of them are going to be awful. And it's not the case. Um, so yeah, I'm pleasantly surprised, and I'm actually it's given me kind of a new lease on you know t- towards the you know the remaining episodes that we've got. I'm actually quite looking forward now to seeing what else we've got to uh, we've got to see. I'm sure in a couple of episodes' time I'll be going on. Oh, I've made a <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what is coming up on next week's episode? Well, we've got contamination, which I've been looking forward to watching for a while, but I thought I'll hold back and I'll wait until we have to watch it for the show. I mm. think it's Ian McCulloch again, isn't it, from uh, 
Oh, what is it? The is it zombie holocaust or it's someone we've seen before anyway? There's a, a lot of Italian sort of movies. Um, Dead and Buried, which I watched a few years ago, which I'm, is not I'm a bad. I'm not sure uh, if I've seen that one. I think I have, but I can't. I, my, my, I'm drawing a blank on it. Yeah, that I think I remember it being pretty good. Um, and then Death Trap, which I also I think is that known under a different name, Death Trap. Um, so yeah, some pretty good ones coming up next week as well, and some ones I'm really looking forward to. Um, so yeah, you got to stay tuned. I hope people are still enjoying watching them. I know there's a couple of really diehard people um, that are still staying with us and watching all of the films as we go. Um, Andy Clark, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, he's uh, hounding me, hounding me and better hounding me for a copy of Snuff, which I finally gave him, and I just said, "Listen, dude, it's it's up to you." I I think you should probably just skip it, but um, I think he he said that he watched half. And then he was like, that. Nah, I'll just watch the rest tomorrow. And I was like, yeah. He's got to well. find out for himself, Duncan, hasn't he? You know. Yeah, we can, we can only, hey, we can only guide. We can only be a, a spiritual guiding light through this, mm. this list of movies. It's up to the people following to take heed of our warnings uh, or face the consequences. And some people are facing those consequences in the form of shit movies like Snuff. So, exactly. Um, <laughs> just going back, contamination. It's got uh, it is Ian McCulloch from uh, Zombie Flesh Eaters and Zombie Holocaust as well. Nice. Um, and this looks pretty good, actually. I've, uh, you can get this on Blu-ray. I think it's only just recently been released. Yeah, um, Arrow's, Arrow's released it. Um, I've got actually yeah. got a pre-order in for it, and it has been released, and people have been receiving them. Ming's hasn't arrived yet, so I'm kind of okay. hoping Ming arrives in the next two weeks, so I can get a chance to watch it on Blue before yeah. uh, before we do our, our um, review of it. I, I really want to, to get a chance to sit down and finally check. I've never seen it. I, I'm aware of it, but never seen it. It's on Blue Underground as well, so um, some of our American listeners will have probably watched it. Um, basically, a former astronaut helps a government agent and a police detective track the source of mysterious alien pod spores filled with lethal flesh-dissolving acid to a South American coffee plantation controlled by alien pod clones. Sounds amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Seems like the movie I've always wanted to see, but for some reason haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it looks like a bit of an alien ripoff, actually. Um, which oh, is bring awesome. it on. Bring it on. Yeah. I, can't, I can't. An Italian alien ripoff. Sold. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> yeah, so well, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. This is there is a There's a kind of excitement in me and that this half of the list from taking a proper look at it, this half of the list has more films I have not seen than the first half of the list I'd seen a lot more on the first half than I yeah. have on the second half there's a lot of yeah. these ones where I'm like I know the name have never seen it um, yeah. so really looking forward to that and like you say hopefully you're still enjoying the shows and you're carrying on with us we have mere months left uh, in this show, I think we're down to about four months left um, of of doing the nasty, and we are going to power right through to our final inevitable closing out episode. And we love the feedback we get, we love the interactions over on the Facebook page. Um, and you guys are awesome. We did once again surprisingly well um, in the downloads for Horophilia. I know the the ones for the previous month, uh, the month of June, have still be posted, but. We have kind of almost every month been in the top 10, uh, which has been incredible considering we're a niche show talking about niche movies uh, yeah. from a niche event which only affected the UK. Uh, it kind of makes, it kind of warms my heart, my, my swinging brick, um, that, <laughs> you know, people are are digging the show and um, 
Yeah, there's, there, there is plenty, as Andy said, plenty of movies still to come. And let me just um, further whet people's appetites um, for the next episode. The reason Death Trap seems so familiar to me uh-huh. um, when I just reeled off is because its alternate title is Eaten Alive and it's a Toby Hooper film. I've seen Eaten Alive. All right. Okay, so, that, so that's Death Trap for next week. So Hooper must have a few on this list because Funhouse was Hooper as well. Mm. So yeah, so no, this, is, uh, this is all good. This just gets better and better for me. This, uh, yeah, this is cool. Yeah. So instantly we're going into next week with two mo- Wow, I like, I like it. Oh, this is. Hey, I'm a happy guy right now. I'm like no, long is... gone. Hopefully, are the days of evil speak and fucking. Oh, onwards and onwards. This, yeah. this is taking the right turn for the uh, turn for, turn up, isn't it? This is brilliant. Well, this, this almost I wasn't expecting this at all. I'm a bit gobsmacked. <laughs> I this almost makes up for all the shit we've went through, Andy. This is our almost, reward. almost, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, I can't wait to talk about those movies. Um, as always, at the end of the shows, we like to kind of plug what we're up to. Um, so I'll just kick off uh, podcast under the stairs is taking a slight week off, so there won't be one this week when this show drops. But then the next ten weeks will be Vincent Price versus Christopher Lee. Like I said at the start of the show, tons of guests podcasters from all over the the shop will be joining me each week to talk about the movies um and i hope that you enjoy them uh andy big horror and little podcast has been on a slight hiatus because you're doing diy and just back from your holiday um new episode in our future uh i, don't, I can't say at the minute because we're doing so much house stuff but uh don't know no, I don't want to say that we're definitely going to do one because I really don't know when it's going to be. Um, mm. So people just have to listen to me on this for now. And uh, obviously I'm going to be on, me and Rachel are both going to be on the podcast under the stairs at some point because we've got that uh, stage fright. And, um, I have an idea for that, which I'm just going to voice on this show. I have an upcoming one-year anniversary uh, planned. And... Um, like I did last year on my upcoming, well, the, what was the upcoming anniversary last year is, obviously I don't want a show which is just all like bells and whistles and yeah, we've made two years. I do still like to put some movie reviews in there and because yeah. I feel that it is a merger of two podcasts coming together <laughs> for this, you know, for these reviews, I have a specific idea of bringing you on to do movie reviews on that show of those two movies but awesome. um, putting a spin on it, which I'm going to leave people guessing what that is, and I'll speak to you off air about it, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So Cool. I'm up so, for that yeah. then. Yeah, so yeah. that's where you can catch me and Rach in the in the meantime anyway. Cool. Yeah, definitely. So, um, folks out there, listeners, uh, remember that you can rate us on iTunes um, if you like us. Uh, you can use your little podcast app or your iTunes feed and give us some love and some ratings over there. It's always appreciated. The more love we get there, the higher the bumping up of the, the ranks we go through, the more likely some strange people out there that have not experienced the nasties can uh, come across and listen to our show. Um, and you can listen to podcasts under the stairs at, or well, on Stitcher, on iTunes, through the Legion Podcast Network feed. Um and you can listen exclusively to Big Horror and Little Podcast by going to Legion Podcast as well. Uh, Andy, would you like to say goodbye to our listeners? Bye, listeners. See you next time. Yep, take care of yourselves out there. We'll be back in a fortnight, two weeks' time, for more of the non-prosecuted list. Bye, everyone. Bye. Ah.
They were called nasties, and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen a video, Mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film. 